0: In Season 3 of the Culture Gooder Podcast, we're doing a deep dive into each of our 12 teams, or as we call them, flocks. In today's episode, we're talking with Dan. Dan's the leader of our direct consumer marketing team, and their nickname is the Dino Squad. Today's world of digital marketing is so vast. It's hard to get noticed, and it's hard to stay up to date on all the latest trends. As you'll hear Dan talk about, content is king for getting noticed. But keeping the team up on their toes and up on all the latest trends is a whole other story altogether. Dan has created a system where they swap roles yearly, plus they all overlap with each other for support, diverse thinking, and to encourage us to always be on the bleeding edge. The result is our badass marketing team. Go check out Gooder.com to see what I'm talking about. And a little secret, our conversion rate last year was 6.7%. Not a joke. You digital marketing nerds will love that. One thing Dan has taught me is how to think critically and ask hard questions, but still have fun because we make having fun look so easy at this company. Let's talk to Dan.
1: This is Culture Gooder with Stephen Lease and Sean Tinney. Each episode this season, we're talking to a different flock leader of the Gooder team to give you a more in-depth look at how we status the quo challenge.
2: Well, hey, Dan, thanks for being here today. Good to be here. Heck yeah. Glad to have you back. Let's kick things off with some lightning round questions, huh?
3: Kick it off with lightning. Love it.
2: <laughs> All right. If you could travel back in time, what period would you visit? Oh, Old West. No doubt. What's appealing about the Old West? I mean, have you seen Back to the Future 3? <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's
3: exactly what I thought about.
0: <laughs> <Yeah. Next. laughs> that covers it. All right, we're good. We got it. <laughs> Done.
2: <laughs> Do you ever post inspirational quotes on social media? Our really dumb... Like dad jokes
3: and puns considered inspirational?
2: I'm willing to count that, yes.
3: Then those, all the time.
2: <laughs> all right, great. So follow Dan if you're looking for dad jokes, or Dan jokes as we call them. All right, hamburger or taco? Taco. Couch or recliner? Couch. Mm, all right. And what's your spirit animal and why? It's a kraken. I like the symbolism
3: of the giant sea monster being able to crush ships at sea, and when you
0: cut its arms, they grow back stronger. <laughs> How big's that tattoo of a kraken you have? <laughs> it's a good percentage of my arm right now. Can't let that go. That's right. So, what's the two-minute version of your journey to Gooder like? What were you doing before, and then like how did you get introduced to the brand? Oh yeah, well it's funny because all, all three
3: of us are here in one spot right now. Yeah, yeah. I worked with Sean for a period of all of eight weeks, <laughs> and in that eight weeks we became pretty good friends. In that time, he said, oh, my friend Steven just started up a company that makes running sunglasses. You're a runner. You should check them out. So I bought Flamingos on a Booze Cruise for my wife for Christmas. I was customer number 32. Awesome. Yep. Looked that up the other day. (laughs) Love that. (laughs) Did you do research on yourself? (laughs) Like for Christmas, I'm like, I don't know. These could be total crap, but they look fun. Like it's your kind of colors and they're for runners and we loved them. I ended up buying 30 something pairs over the years. So when I was looking for a job, I connected with Steven already and talked to Sean and we're like, you know what Gooder needs? We need you. I'm like, oh, perfect. I am ready. Like, I love the brand. I love everything about it. I love the job. I'm in. Don't need to sell me anymore.
0: That's awesome. That is this full circle of the three of us here is a a trip, actually. I didn't quite put together until you just said that.
2: I know. Same. I was like, oh, yeah. Huh. (laughs) Cool. So let's see here. Dan, can you briefly summarize for everybody who's listening? What's your role, lame title, real title? Just give us the high-level overview.
3: Yeah, real title, head of our direct-to-consumer business. My fun title is Professor Rex or P-Rex. Our team is called the Dino Squad, which is an acronym. Dino stands for direct-to-consumer, innovation, no lame-as-fuck sales, and O is Olive Garden Eaters, obviously.
2: <laughs> well, <you> know, naturally.
3: <laughs> yeah. So we all took on anthropomorphized dinosaur names as our titles. So I'm Professor Rex, because I was also moonlighting as a professor for an MBA program teaching digital marketing.
2: I love that evolution of your title from Professor Experience to Professor Rex. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Give us a couple other titles. There's Media Megalodon.
3: Media Megalodon and Propaganda Peddling Plateosaurus.
0: Nice. Propaganda peddling Paleosaurus. Got it. I think we ended up with Tommy Pterodactyl. (laughs) Oh, yeah. For
3: Fitz. (laughs) For Fitz, (laughs) whose real name is Tom, but everyone calls him Fitz.
0: (laughs) All right. We know your flock's title now, but at a high level, like, what does your flock do? What are your values? Like, what are the areas of focus?
3: Yeah. So, what we do in a nutshell, we handle the distribution of all of our marketing and we clean up the website to make sure that it's optimized for conversions and sales. So we're responsible for the revenue channel of all of our direct-to-consumer business. What do we value, though? We value innovation and perseverance. So in our world, we need to be innovative. We need to try new things all the time. Digital marketing changes constantly. As much as people like to consider the early 2000s of digital marketing, the Wild West, it's still changing every single day. So innovation is a super core value of our team. The other one's perseverance. So we teach this one pretty hard to make sure that we are not giving up on a good idea. And now we're also not giving up on bad ideas too. (laughs) Uh, New addition to our motto of perseverance is making sure that if we have a bad idea and you're like, really feel strong about this bad idea, go for it. Yeah,
0: the risk is low, why not? Yeah, exactly. And then your areas of focus, like what are those five?
3: Yeah, we have strategy, awareness, experiences,
0: and e-commerce. Awesome. Sean, before we kind of shoot for the next questions, I think just to piece the whole together of our connection for everybody is Sean is a co-founder and part of another digital agency called The Good, which is kind of funny because this is Gooder. So that's just weird. And Sean and I met years ago. I hired The Good to do some projects for me when I was at Easton. So we became friends. And then Dan started working for The Good. And really is an expert in digital marketing. And when Dan reached out, I think to Sean and maybe me at the same time. And I was talking to Sean about it. And he's like, Hey, Steven, Dan is one of the top 10 people to do what he does that I have ever met. And so if I was you, I would figure out a way to hire him. <laughs> Dan is really fucking good at what he does. And like, that was like the real conversation that we had about it. At the time, Mike, who's kind of almost one of our co-founders was like leading that. I didn't have an office, like a fucking room. And he was like, hey, we just got to hire this guy. I'm, I'm not proud. Like, we, this guy's just too, we, we just got to figure out a way to hire him. That's the full story of how Dan's on our team. Awesome. And, and thank, thank you. you.
2: Full transparency. I'm, I'm sure there are 10 people in the class that Dan is at. So listen up, folks. <laughs>
0: yeah, seriously. All right, Sean. So you want odds or evens?
2: I'll go odds.
0: All right. One, two, three. Shoot. What do we got? Oh, evens. I got two. All right. So you go first. All right, Dan. What's your team's structure, roles, responsibilities, and maybe even just talk a little bit about the new structure thing that you set up, because I think it's really cool.
3: We had previously hired people for specific jobs. And what we evolved to was, we found that we had strengths in multiple different areas. And it was starting to get a little confusing, like two people are working on one thing, who's in charge of it. We recognize talent, and we recognize where people want to grow into. So I took everything, I just tore apart the whole team and I said, there's 12 main functions that we do here. And within those functions, there's going to be one lead. One person is responsible for all of this, but designed it in such a way that you have to work with somebody else on everything. So for example, like if we're running a promotion on something, one person is the lead of that, but somebody else is in charge of all of our ad creation. So if we want to send an ad with a promotion, the two of you have to work together. One person's responsible for the promotion. One person's responsible for the content of the ad. So we designed it all out. I spent three months. I met with everybody. I worked through their skills. I understand what they wanted to do, where they want to go in their career. Some people want to lead like a small marketing team. Some people have bigger aspirations. Like, okay, one person wants to grow into like a head of media. Like, great. I'll give them a small area of responsibility now and let them like develop into that. So we did kind of a big reveal. I called it like our end of year gala. We got Olive Garden, of course. (laughs) Shout out to Olive Garden. Hopefully they're a sponsor of this pod, right? (laughs) They will be soon. Uh, Will be. Yeah, good. We just got together. We celebrated just having a great year. And I revealed everyone's roles for 2021. So everyone got four lead responsibilities. I structured it in a way. So I said, two of these roles are going to be your core growth areas. So 70% of your attention should go into these. This is what we're identifying as the future. The other things that you have to do, 20% of that should be focused on this is your job. This may not be sexy, but you do have to do this job. And 10% is learning something new. So one person got a responsibility of managing our Amazon channel, which is something that she's kind of interested in. And it's safe. It's fun. Like Amazon will sell no matter what. One person got like website design because she's interested in learning more about how to do user experience design, how to create cool content. Great. 10% of your job now, you're in charge of our website. It's safe, it's gonna be really hard to fuck that up, and it's just gonna be fun for you.
0: Could you read off those 12 real quick for everybody? Yes, I have to do it off the top of my head though. Just a handful, just so everybody kind of understands the focuses.
3: Yeah, all right, so some of them are ad creation lead, media buying lead, email and SMS lead, product launches and merchandising lead, Amazon lead, website design and content lead, We created a new role called the Processes Lead, where they're documenting all of the processes of our team. Those are all the ones I can think of off the top of my head. (laughs) No, that's great. That's great.
2: So these are, just to double down on the structure here, your flock has areas of focus. These roles align with those, and any person could step into one of those roles at any time. It's not like someone's totally locked in forever. Exactly.
3: Yeah. There's crossover training for everything. The first three months of everyone's job, they're learning all of those skills, so they know what to do if somebody steps out.
2: Right on. With digital marketing, there's lots of different philosophies and ways to approach this stuff, but generally there's a couple different routes to get to the goal. Can you talk about maybe the difference between attraction and conversion and our philosophy on both?
3: Yeah. And I came from the world of conversion primarily over my last like three years before I started working at Gooder. Within the world of conversion, it's a very straightforward approach, actually building on the philosophy of Sean here, which is kind of fun. Fun tie in again. So it's all about simplicity and just easing the decision factors for consumers. When they come to our website, they should just be having fun and getting exactly what they want out of it. So I spent a lot of time in the first few years of working here understanding where are all the pain points of the website and just clearing them. I watched an old video that we made of a brand new person coming to our website and watched them struggle with how I named a page. Bike gooder is one word. They struggled over it. I think it was like 10 times like bike. just stumble over that. And then the picture that they saw didn't identify with them as a female cyclist. So as they're exploring the page, they found Flamingos on a Booze Cruise. They click on it. They're like, I love the name. They see a picture of a female cyclist wearing our pink sunglasses with a pink helmet. And she's like, that is a cool chick. I'm into this. I am going to wear these. Like, this is the brand for me. And you can just watch her attitude change. I'm like, okay, we get over those initial stumbling blocks here, our conversion process speeds up from three minutes to about two minutes because we've eased that first part of the whole process. Conversion philosophy is all about just making it very simple for people. We did a test that's like if we have over 90 SKUs on our website, it drops our conversion rate. So we're trying to optimize that constantly and just making sure people have everything that they need to make a decision and not overcomplicate it.
0: If you think about From the time you get out of the door of your car to walk in the front of your home, if it's a 10-foot path and there is a kid's bike there, a wheelbarrow full of dirt, that's shit that's going to slow down people getting from the door inside. It's like, how do we make it simple and clean? And then the next evolution is like, you make that path clean and you put the lawn flamingos in. You're like, oh, not only is this simple, now it's fun. That's it. That's conversion. And then attraction.
3: Attractions interesting too. Within this world, it's all about doing something different to stand out. You know, there's so many people doing the same thing, like constant Instagram ads. It's just like a boring picture of a product or the same product over and over again. So you have to do something that stands out, and we are blessed with a incredibly awesome content team that creates these crazy pictures, and we have tested them like crazy too. We test pictures of Products on faces with something goofy in the background, just the product with something goofy, or just like product standalone. Anytime there's something weird on there, that works. Because it's so like, oh, what is this? There's a dinosaur toy against these sunglasses. What the hell is this? And you'll see our competitors, they'll just hold a pair of sunglasses and kind of rotate them around. We're like, that's a a motion video. It costs them more and it's dumb. You know, for us, (laughs) we have a still image of something weird It outperforms it. And that's attraction.
2: That strikes me as the kind of uh, thing that you would not be able to find from generic research, right? On images where they're like, oh, wherever the person's looking, that's where the visitor will look. There's never going to be a discovery like that just kind of out there, right? No,
3: never. Let's hope never.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and
0: Dan, conversion rate, there is a lot of best practices and in the mindset, right? Of, you know, user flow, but attraction is interesting because certain brands attract different ways where, you know, we're a $25 price point, we're this fun, irreverent brand. And so I'm just hypothesizing, would love your thoughts on this. Conversion rate is a little more standard for all brands where attraction, you are kind of at the mercy of what type of brand are you and what type of people you are trying to attract.
3: Yeah. There's not a whole lot of industry stats about what performs best for attraction. And you have to try so many different audience mixes We can try different age group demographics, different interest groups, and get a completely different click-through rate than a younger audience that is more identified as a runner. And they'll have
0: a very high click-through rate on something in an advertisement. For layman's terms, right, our traction is social media ads, SEO Paid media, pay per click, like a lot of it is paid media based, right, Dan? Exactly.
3: Yeah, a lot of what we do is paid media. So we're we're on Instagram, Facebook, pushing ads. It's a, a big part of our media strategy is is making sure that we are a visibly merchandise product. So we are out there with pictures and our colors, like playing into our strengths of just this is a fun, attractive brand. Like this would be a fun thing to wear on my face. The other parts are audio. So we do a lot of podcast advertising because it's a fun thing to tell your friends. That was one of the easy parts of selling it. Back in 2015, for me, was that Sean said, oh, I have a friend who started this company. They make sunglasses. They don't slip when you sweat. They don't bounce around when you're running. They're polarized, and they're only 25 bucks. Like That's an easy audio story to tell. So we start advertising with podcasts and like, okay, you know, experienced athletes and runners giving an endorsement of this product to their audience. It's a really easy thing for them to say, cool, let me check that out. I'll just go to the website and see what they're talking about.
0: All right. So Dan, this is the moment you've been waiting for. What's our conversion rate and why should people be impressed with it?
3: I was a little nervous telling anyone this. Our conversion rate over last year for the last 12 months was 6.7%. Ordinarily in the industry, I came from a a world where I had about 100 different brands I was working with. So I knew all their stats. I knew what a good conversion rate looks like. The gold star top of the class that you'd ever get to was a 2% baseline. Everyone was chasing 2%. And I think the top I ever saw before that was probably 4%. It's like this brand knows their stuff. They're getting it done. Like people come to their site, they're ready to buy 4%. So when I first met with Mike and team before I took the job, I'm like, what's your conversion rate? He's like 4.5%. I'm sitting there like, okay, be cool. Be cool, Dan. Don't don't get too excited here. I'm like, okay, Mike, 4.5. That's pretty good, Mike. Pretty good. (laughs) And, you know, fully expecting it. would Like I could get it up a little bit, but as we grew and as traffic just kept growing, I'm like, we'll be lucky to kind of maintain 4.5 because that is so high. The first year we made some changes, we got it up around 5.1%. And then the next year we made sweeping changes. So we updated product imagery, we added virtual try-on, we optimized our mobile experience, uh, we cleaned up a lot of the technical back end of the site. So a lot of different factors combined. We really dialed in our formula too. So how does a product page layout? How do we describe things? Are we giving all the right information? I'm shortchanging a couple years worth of work as just like, yeah, we did a couple things. But yeah, a lot of hard work that went into it. We got it up to 6.7. This year it's trending up again. It's boggling my mind that it's still continuing to go up without major initiatives. But we still have our formula so well dialed in. We're still listening to our consumers to help grow it even more. But it just speaks to our customers too. They like what we're doing. We're easing all the fears about, oh, do I want to work with this brand? Do I want to buy this brand? And it's paying off.
2: Dan, that conversion rate is bonkers. And what's extra crazy to me is that we continue to push more traffic to the site and it still holds strong, which is that's normally where it would falter, right? Or where we've seen it drop is just, we're, okay, we're just throwing random people at the site. Exactly. It's not going to be where it was. But if you look at the ways that we do try to attract customers, what are our top methods and channels for that?
3: Yeah, our strongest channel has been organic search. And that was an effort that we put together in late 2019 we said our big opportunity here is people looking for sunglasses and like the best sunglasses for running and the best polarized sunglasses. So we identified that opportunity. Then we made a strategic hire. We hired Shelby on our team to develop out our organic search program. And it's proved out to be a huge, huge boon for us. So she constantly creates content about like what people are looking for, we work with a marketing agency, an SEO agency that helps us out and like helps drive traffic to those. So we're there. If somebody's looking for best sunglasses for running, we're in the top three every time. And that's been the biggest source of traffic and revenue for us over the last couple of years.
2: And that was a huge turnaround as well, right? Do you remember where we were ranked at when you started there?
3: We were down near the bottom. I think we we're in the rank 10 spot. So this is like the bottom of a Google search results page which if you're on page two, the really dorky joke is like, oh, you, you want to know where to bury a body? Put it on page two <laughs> of Google.
2: <laughs>
3: like we were right on the cusp of that. If you're looking for best running sunglasses, now we're in the top
0: three. That's incredible. Speaking about organic, how important is email? And give the listeners a sense of what the process is like to make our email go off.
3: Yeah, email is extremely important for us. We didn't have much of an email program before. I started on the team, we send out MailChimp email just to announce a new product line, maybe get a couple of emails out. What we found was our audience likes that. They like that little trigger and they like it at the right time of day. So dialing that in was interesting. We had to get it just right. We were testing out time of day, day of the week. And we found that our audience loves just like a fun Friday email from us because it's just, we're a fun irreverent brand. We give a little bit of respite in an otherwise kind of crazy world. And so when you're thinking about like Friday, fun weekend, maybe getting away and you get an email that's like some crazy shit from a sunglass company, it works. And it's kind of like, it's fun. So we made sure that that was part of our ongoing strategy. Every Friday, we got some sort of email going out. Usually it's a product launch. And if not, we're going to do something weird. And sometimes we'll throw something in the middle of a week. Sometimes we'll do like a late night thing. And we just try different things all the time. And it's a fun touch point with our customers. It's a fun way to sell sunglasses without too much risk.
0: Not to go down this rabbit hole too much, but I'm just curious for our listeners out there, maybe speak to email fatigue. If you're a brand, you start getting customers. Email is kind of easy for a lot of younger brands because it's pretty cheap, if not free, but you can fatigue your customers. Maybe just speak that in a best practice of like how to avoid that.
3: Yeah. There's a lot of documents that talk about best practices for email marketing campaigns and strategy. I tend not to listen to them too much. I think our audience is different. Our brand is different. There are some brands I get like Wayfair. I get an email from them every single day and I'm like, I'm fatigued. I'm not looking at any more of these. I don't care. Wayfair. Wayfair is not a sponsor of this podcast. Hopefully (laughs) they're not. (laughs) Well, not anymore. (laughs) The general best practices out there, they say two emails a week. That's perfect. I'm like, all right, two seems like a little much. Uh, let's, let's call two our maximum. And you got to get them at the right time. It, and eventually, like, people will stop responding to them. But as long as you keep doing something weird or you keep doing something fun, then email is going to continue to work for you.
0: Yeah, with a general guest price pick, like, hey, if you're doing whatever, one a week and you go to two, and do you pay attention to open rate? When your open rate starts to drop is when you need to start sending less emails or better emails.
3: Yeah, exactly. So we track open rate, which is, The total population of people that you sent an email to, how many of them opened it, which is just a little bit of a trigger that you know if there's any images in the email, it'll send a cue over to our email service provider that says, all right, this person most likely opened this email, which means they probably read it. And we look for a high percentage of open rate. We look for a click-through rate, which is how many people actually clicked on it and went to our site. Whether or not they bought, we don't care. It's a good, important factor for us. And then we'll look back and measure, okay, we have a lot of people unsubscribed to this. Uh, Are they clicking on it? Are they opening it? And that gives us an indication of which emails they want to do more.
2: Well, you can start with email here, but then just kind of expand out to the important platforms. I think people are always curious, what are we using to pull all of this off?
3: We use a lot of different platforms. We go native with Facebook, Ad Manager. We use Google Search, so paid search on Google. We actually use Microsoft Ads, which is a small but mighty audience that still performs. So (laughs) we want to make sure that if people are searching for running sunglasses in a Microsoft browser, that we're there. So we want to be at the top of that one too. We use all those platforms. We're in Spotify ads now. We work directly with a lot of different media agencies to just be part of their ad campaigns. We advertise in a couple third-party email newsletters. We advertise in a ton of podcasts. We advertise with... Companies like Runner's World, Yoga Journal, Women's Running, a lot of like direct magazine relationships.
0: And then, how about website platform, our email platform, anything like that?
3: For email and SMS, we use Klaviyo as our email service provider and our SMS provider.
0: They're a fun,
3: exciting brand. They provide a uh, really strong software. They came on the scene about three or four years ago and are doing some really exciting stuff. So they're constantly growing, coming out with new technology. It's a really clean interface, gives us great data, great ways to manage everything. And their cool thing is just automatically segmenting people into the type of content that they want. And then we can send out automatic emails to them, like product runs out of stock, we can send them a back in stock notification when it comes back, and several other things. Like if we notice somebody hasn't been engaging with our email list for a while, it'll send them an automatic email that we wrote that's super crazy. And it has a picture of Carl the Flamingo in a hot tub. And it's got all sorts of jokes in there, like, come on back, the water's fine. And we use Shopify. And we use Shopify Plus as our major e-commerce platform to manage our website.
0: And for anybody starting out, if they are like, hey, just starting out, would you recommend Shopify? I would recommend Shopify.
3: I've had a lot of experience with all the other e-commerce platforms. Shopify and Shopify Plus are your strongest ones with good, clean user interface a lot of plugins. A lot of plugins, a lot of apps. Yep. I wouldn't build it from scratch. Been there too many times. It's expensive. No takes way. forever. <laughs> Hell no.
0: Yeah. And just so everybody knows, I mean, Dan talked about a, a ton of different things in high level. When the brand was started, I built the website in WordPress and we use WooCommerce. Like I built it myself. I had some experience with it and we use MailChimp. And so this brand now that has 75 people and has, does all this cool shit was a hand-built website on WordPress and WooCommerce and use MailChimp to send emails and use Facebook's native ad program to do ads. And so I know you might sit here and think, oh, well, fucking, of course, if you can do all that, we can do all that now. It was not like that for a long time. All right, Dan, what's the most important metric or stat or just an odd one that you think maybe is overlooked in the world of digital marketing? There's so many weird ones. One
3: of the interesting things we've been doing is tracking interest in colorways. So we've grouped all of our product colors by both frame color and lens color. And we're starting to track what the traffic is looking like to those. It's a weird one. So we have the combination of purple frame and green lens, and we see how much traffic we're getting in a combination of those two. So that's been a fun one. That's a trip. (laughs) That's awesome.
2: So how about on the promotion side, what's the most successful promotion we've run or your favorite or both?
3: Okay, so most successful, we had a ton of inventory of limited editions that was just kind of clogging up our warehouse. We had a previous strategy of of trying to kind of sell it on Amazon, but it was starting to get backlogged. So instead of just doing like a boring warehouse sale where you open up the doors and have people come in and you kind of sell it to them at sweet prices, plus the fact that it was during... COVID where we can't have anything in person. We decided to move a warehouse sale online and I kind of gave it in an homage to Mike Eddie and we called him crazy Eddie. I just made that up. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a good one. And, and there's turns out there is a real crazy Eddie, both from Los Angeles back in like the eighties and nineties. And there's also one in New York. I'm like, well, this is perfect. Cause Mike <laughs> Eddie is also from Los Angeles and New York. And we had this photo shoot of him when we did a, a line called Opossum's Opposable Thumbs. So it's him in a costume of a possum. And we're like, this is just too perfect. Like all these things combined. Let's do this. Like, let's make fun of the guy that designed all these sunglasses. <laughs> so we called it Crazy Eddie's Overstock Overload Sale. We blew up the site for three days. We put all of our old inventory, ridiculous prices. It was fun. It cleared out inventory for us. Customers loved it we had fun with it. So that was probably my favorite sale of all time across any client I've ever worked on.
0: What's funny is we are usually pretty gangster about never discounting our product because it's a $25 price point. But for a lot of reasons, I'll take the blame of we didn't have our buying down. And so we had all this extra inventory. Like It'll never happen again because we're so good at buying product now. But it was one of those things where I was for sure like, well, get your fucking fill because it's never going to happen again. Uh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
3: And on our side, it's like, okay, we're only getting one shot at this. Let's make it really fun.
0: Quickly tell the listeners how much people love free shipping. Oh, so much.
3: Yeah, they love it. So our minimum for free shipping currently is $50, which is the equivalent of about two pairs of sunglasses, which is generally going to be perfect most of the year. But every once in a while, we just made an exclusive for our email subscribers and put it on our website. We did a happy hour. And we're like, you know what sucks about happy hour? It's only one hour. You know what would be awesome about happy hour? If it was six hours, we'll fix that. So we made it from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m., free shipping. And people are like, oh my gosh, I can get just one pair of sunglasses. This is the perfect opportunity for me now. So they go to the site. They had six hours. And we did it, you know, roughly speaking, about once a month last year. And so far, you know, we just do it on random nights, like a Tuesday or just something for fun and just totally crazy. We did it once so far this year. We'll probably do it more, but it's always just, it's our top selling day. It's always just something totally crazy off the wall. And we'll throw in a special in there. I think one time we had a little bit of overstock of uh, Sunset Squishy Brain Freeze, which is always a, a crowd pleaser. And we're like, we'll just, we'll bring it back one night only. And it's on free shipping happy hour. So let's do this. And we sold so many of those. People loved it. We still get comments about that one. Oh,
0: I love it. Rank these in order of importance. UX, content, SEO, paid media, email.
3: Okay, content first, because we'd be nothing without our content. I will go UX second, because without a clean experience, we're not going to have anyone coming to the site. SEO is crucial. Paid media, what was the last one? Email. Email. I put email at the bottom. It's fun. It brings people in. But of those, that's whew, that's a real murderer's row of marketing.
0: Dope-ass content, user experience, make sure people can convert. Then SEO, because it's just such a long tail play. Paid media and email last, because if without all those other things, you don't even have an email list. Agreed. Awesome.
2: Two things we can help people with. One, if they want to get in on the happy hour shipping, where do they go to sign up for this exclusive email list? Gooder.com. Sign up for an email. Bottom of every page. (laughs) Cool. Just go to the bottom of Gooder.com. Great. For people who don't know anything about digital or want to learn more about digital, is there like a really good place to go to learn that's just got a good reputation, solid content, that kind of thing?
3: There's a lot of resources out there. My favorite, if you're interested in the world of UX and how it plays in with conversion, I recommend the Norman Nielsen Group, nngroup.com. They have fantastic resources there, led by some of the experts in the industry in the early days of the web. And uh, they do a really nice job of kind of presenting it with some data and some fun.
2: Yeah, going strong. That's where I first learned that uh, nobody reads anything on the web. Yeah. Disappointing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and also, listeners, you sign up for Shopify. Shopify has hundreds of videos. You're like, I want to know how to do this. Somebody has made a video for it. So there's there's also that part.
2: Oh, yeah, that's a great call. All right, let's get to some wrap-up questions here. So generally, uh, approaching this from the perspective of your flock and roll, what is your biggest fuck-up or one thing you wish you would have done differently? Biggest fuck-up
3: was probably, you know, I created a mystery bag promotion once and we called it Carl's Confidential, which had a really cool theme. I created these assortments for those, but I had them all set. And that's 100% on me. So, you know, we did a three-pack mystery and a five-pack mystery. My assumption was... Nobody would be comparing, so I'm like, these three go in this one, these five go in this one. What I didn't realize was that people get together with their friends and say, let's all get the five pack. We'll get together, we'll pull them, you can take this, I'll take this one, and then they get them, they all get the exact same thing. (laughs) Major fuck up on my side. There's
0: no fucking mystery here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Did not expect people to be comparing the mystery boxes, huh?
3: (laughs) No. I ran a survey to everyone that got it, so I got everyone's feedback. Took down a lot of lessons learned on that one. But yeah, that was definitely, that one still haunts me.
2: Hey, it's all a learning process. Nobody's perfect. So, how about the biggest shift you made since taking over this flock?
3: We strengthened a lot in how we do our marketing. It was really strong in paid search when I took over, and we made a lot of moves to say, okay, we're going to take some risks here. We're going to put more budget into just visual merchandising. So, we want to get our product seen by people. So that was a major change that we made. So it actually dropped us in paid search, but we were making such strong gains in organic search that it kind of netted that out. So it was okay. A lot of changes, just the overall marketing strategy and just making sure we're building up our awareness. We're moving to a mode where I wanted people to see the product. I wanted them to get our value props. And now it's just like, I want you to see our logo and I want you to hear our name. And that's it. That's all I want you to do. I want to hear it five times in everyone's ears. I want everyone to see our logo five
2: times. All right. -er, -er, Gooder, 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 (laughs) gooder. Okay. What are you the most proud of?
3: I'm really proud of our team. We have overcome a lot. We have grown a lot. It's really fun to see everyone. We brought them in for specific jobs, and now they're really taking ownership. One of the changes that we made on the team was I handed off responsibility. So it was like I kind of looked at it before as it's Dan making decisions with people. Now it's like they're making the decisions, they overrule me. So if they say, I want to put this color on the website and I want to run this ad, that's their choice. Cool. You get 51% ownership of this. I'm only 49%. So you overrule me. Go for it.
2: Well, everything's getting tested anyhow, right? So you'll find out one way or another. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So I know this is always hard to boil down years of experience into bite-sized advice, but if you had three cheat codes for anyone in uh, digital marketing What would you offer them?
3: As a type one, it always burns me to say, here's a shortcut. So a type one Enneagram. And if you're not familiar with the Enneagrams, go back and listen to season one, episode six, seven?
0: Yeah, something like that. Middle season two.
3: Middle season two, yeah. I'm type one, so I'm an idealist and a perfectionist. So it's hard to offer anyone advice of of kind of shortchanging the system. So my cheat codes are work hard, (laughs) study, then study some more, and then study some more after that. And then number three is test everything. So even test testing to make sure that you are appropriately determining whether or not it's the right program for you. But you should always test assumptions.
2: So there's no shortcut to hard work, learning, and testing to find out if your ideas are working or not.
3: Uh, That's my story and I'm sticking to it.
2: Cool, cool. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Anything uh, you want to make sure we cover before we wrap up here, Stephen?
0: No, I'm great. This is awesome.
2: Thanks for joining us again, Dan. It's a pleasure. Thanks, guys. And thanks, Stephen. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be sure to subscribe and send us your questions at gooder.com slash culture. Until next time, be excellent to each other.
1: Thank you so much for listening. Send us your questions, learn more, and find episode resources at gooder.com slash culture. If you enjoyed yourself today, which we're sure you did, we would be so grateful if you could please leave us your star rating and review. That minute and a half of your time, it really does help people find us. And don't forget to share us on your stories, tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your delivery person who's probably listening to some other shitty podcast right now. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at culturegooder and Stephen at Stephen That's Stephen with a PH because those V people are not trustworthy. Culture Gooder is produced by our in-house Gooder team, so many thanks to the Culture Gooder team, and also everyone else at Gooder, really, without whom there obviously would be nothing to even podcast about. At Gooder, we exist to give you the permission to be unabashedly yourself, unless you're an asshole. So don't be. See you next time.